0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you this morning. Is everyone enjoying the Christmas season so far? Getting your quote of Hallmark movies in already? Come on. It's always a fun time of year. I want to start this message off with reading a portion of scripture about the Christmas story found in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer real fast. Father, I thank you so much for this word. And I thank you for the Christmas season and the Christmas message. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. And I pray you would open our eyes to scripture. That you would speak to us and through us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about the birth of Christ through Joseph's perspective. I don't think we do this that often, is actually look at Joseph's life and how this whole story must have affected him. And if you wanna do a little research, you will find a few things that are interesting about Joseph and Mary in this story. One of them is this, Jewish tradition pinpoints the age of 18 as the optimal age for marriage back then in this time, 18. So it's possible that people actually got married as early as 13, 14 years old, But if you hit the age of 20, legally, a court could compel you to get married. So not a lot of people got married past the age of 20. So we can assume from this that Joseph and Mary were probably teenagers. Now, some people think Joseph was a little bit older than Mary. And some of that is because we don't hear much about Joseph later on in the story. So maybe he was older. Maybe he wasn't around. But from my research, what I tend to see and what I've done this week, I put these two right around 17 or 18 years old. I mean, these were some mature teenagers, okay? When I was 18 years old, I was living in an apartment with two other guys going to college in Minneapolis. And when we ran out of napkins, we wouldn't go to the grocery store and get napkins. We'd literally call Domino's, order a pizza, and ask for extra napkins. That's what we were doing. And Mary and Joseph were like getting ready to birth the Messiah here. So very too mature 18, 16, 17, 18, you <clears throat> And sometimes when we read Scripture, I think we forget that these are real people. You know, it's easy to like gloss over a portion of Scripture like the one we just read, right? Oh yeah, that's the Christmas story. But there are so many crazy things that happened in that one passage of Scripture that affected Joseph and Mary's life, like these are real people with real feelings, with real emotions, and a real story behind it. So I want to kind of paint a picture of what this might have felt like to be Joseph in this moment. Think about it. Joseph meets Mary. I don't know. Maybe they grew up together Maybe he met her online. Oh wait, no, there wasn't online dating back then. He met her somewhere and they started to talk. They started to court each other. They started to get to know each other's families. And the more they started to talk with each other, they began to fall in love. Come on, you remember that feeling, those of you who've married in the room or dating, that beginning feeling of a relationship where you can stay up all night talking to each other and you get giddy thinking about the person and when you're apart, you just wanna be together. I mean, these are all the things that Joseph probably experienced with Mary. He was falling in love with her. She had everything he wanted in a wife. She was perfect in every way to him. So one day he probably got up the gumption to go ask her father for her hand in marriage. And I could just imagine Joseph pacing around, trying to think of what he was going to say. I mean, think about This is real life. I've done this, so I know it's a little nerve-wracking, okay? So he's probably thinking about what he's going to say. He probably prepared a speech that went something like this. Excuse me, sir, I just, I want to let you know that I have the utmost respect for your daughter. You've done a great job raising her. She's an amazing young woman, and, and I really want to be the guy to take care of her moving forward and i know that you have taken care of her up to this point and that that she's your baby girl and 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 you were there when she was born and and you were there when she took her first steps and and said her first words and you taught her how to tie her shoe well buckle her sandals for the first time you know you were there when she skinned her knee riding her Donkey, you know, you were there. You were there when she milked the cow for the first time, and you were so proud. You shared all these moments with her, but I promise moving forward, I'm going to do everything I can to protect your daughter, to give her an amazing life, to keep her safe, to be there for her, to do everything you would do up to this point. I believe God's brought us together and I'd want her hand in marriage. I can just imagine all of that happening. And then, of course, Mary's father gives him permission. And so now Joseph's gonna talk to Mary about this. He's gotta come up with a proposal idea. He's gotta get, and let me tell you, there's a lot of pressure on proposals these days. I mean, think about it as a guy, you, you go on Pinterest or you got so, all this social media and you're seeing people spend thousands of dollars, I mean, hire photographers, tr- do all this stuff to get engaged now. On top of this, you got promposals now and homecoming proposals. It's not just uh, engaged thing anymore. These are all kinds of proposals. So Joseph, I mean, it probably wasn't quite as extravagant as it is today, but it was still a big deal to propose and to ask for Mary's hand in marriage. And proposing was a big deal back then because when you got engaged, it was like you got married. You had to get a certificate of divorce if you got engaged and broke off the engagement. So it was a big deal. So he proposes and she says, yes. Can you imagine they're smitten teenagers dreaming of a life together? And probably marriage was a little bit uh, idealistic to these two young people. When you're young and engaged, we can have a little bit of idealistic distortion when it comes to marriage. How do I know this? Because I was engaged at 19 years old. I can speak to this. In fact, 23 years ago today, I proposed to that young lady right there. Don't worry, this was a year after I was ordering pizza and getting napkins. So now I I knew how to grocery shop and do some meal planning and things like this. I was I was nineteen now. Okay, so I, I knew how to do this. But we were so excited the night I proposed to Megan. We called our parents. It was this beautiful time. We were happy. She was crying. We were so excited. We Decorated a truck that said "Just engaged." We drove to the carousel in St. Paul. It's this beautiful restaurant overlooking Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities. All of our friends joined us. My brother got up and gave a toast. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful evening. And we were so excited to start our life together, so excited. But we were engaged for 18 months. And those 18 months were literally the longest 18 months of my life. I felt like time was in slow motion. There's a story in the Bible, in the book of Genesis about Jacob and Rachel. And it was a love story, how Jacob and Rachel fell in love very fast. And Jacob went to Rachel's dad, Laban, and he said, I will work seven years For your daughter's hand in marriage, and Laban said, "Okay." And the Bible literally says those seven years only felt like a few days because of his love for her. That's not the experience I had. Okay, those eighteen months felt like an eternity. We just wanted to get married. We wanted to start our lives together. We're looking at houses and planning weddings and honeymoons and, and, and registering for stuff. It was such an exciting time. And I can just picture Joseph doing this. Think about it. He's a real human being. I can picture him taking Mary to see some houses, you know? And he's like, Mary, don't worry. You know, I know it looks dingy, but I'm a carpenter. I can repair that hole. I can blow that wall out, give you that open concept you've been looking for. I mean, this was probably the biblical version of Chip and Joanna Gaines, Joseph and Mary. Chip had nothing on Joseph. Joseph could do all this work. And in the Bible, Jesus said something to his disciples right before he went to the cross. Jesus said this, he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and then I'll come get you and we'll be together. Now, the disciples understood this because what Jesus was referencing was what a groom did during a wedding. During a wedding back then, the groom would leave for a season of time before the wedding and he would go prepare a place for him and his wife, future bride, to live together. And that's why the disciples understood what Jesus was saying. Okay, he's going to go away, but he's going to prepare a place for us. And Jesus equated us to being the bride of Christ, right? He was going to go away. He was had some things to do, but then he was going to prepare a place for us in eternity. And a lot of scholars believe Joseph left to go prepare this place. And that's when all of a sudden, Mary had this encounter and this experience. And so I could just picture Joseph is away, and Mary maybe travels to go see him because she's got some big news to tell him. And I could just imagine him opening the door, going, Wait a minute, I don't want you to see all this. I got so much planned, so many surprises I've been working on. And then she drops this bomb on Joseph Hey, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, how is, it's not mine. I've been here. And I can just imagine the devastation that Joseph may may have felt in this moment. And I can see Mary trying to convince him, no, 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 you gotta believe me. This is the Messiah. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. God did this. Huh? Huh? You really want me to believe that story? And I think Joseph wanted to believe it, but at the same time, how could he? I mean, maybe he ran the story by a few friends and family members and they're like, dude, come on. She went out on you, bro. She's not the one. And I can just imagine the devastation in Joseph, the loss of a dream. I mean, how did he get this wrong? He was head over heels for her and thought she felt the same way. They had so many deep conversations. They committed their lives together. She was the good girl in youth group. She was the one that was awesome. How did this happen? How did I miss this? And I can just see this poor guy being completely devastated. But because he loved her so much, he decided to do the honorable thing and divorce her quietly because she could have been in big trouble back in this day. If he wanted to press charges or let people know what happened, she could have been imprisoned or stoned to death. But he loved her. But his life, I have to imagine, was shattered, filled with grief over a future that he had dreamed of that now was never going to happen. I just, in my mind, I picture him going back into that house and ripping up these plans that he had for these renovations to the house and just falling on the ground and just saying, God, what happened here? How did I miss this? Then he falls asleep one night, and Matthew 1.20, let's read these verses together, it says this, but after he had considered this, this was the divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now imagine Joseph waking up from that dream. How would you feel? Probably a little bit relieved. Okay, she she was telling the truth. She does love me. We still can have a life for me. But then also this reality hits oh my gosh, my life is not my own. It's never going to be the same again. Those initial dreams of being a newlywed and traveling the world and seeing things and having some time alone together to start your marriage wasn't going to happen. Probably, probably was a little bit relieved, but also still a little confused about what his future was going to look like. Maybe you're sitting here and you understand this feeling. I know I have at different times in my life. Thinking, man, I've got a plan for my life. And it's good. I got some things I really, really want to do in life. I've got it all figured out. How it's going to go, who I'm going to marry, what job I'm going to get, what college I'm going to go to, how my kids are going to grow up and excel and and everything and make me so proud. And and I got this whole plan. And then all of a sudden, life throws a curveball and a huge, unexpected, unforeseen event occurs that kind of throws your plans to the side. And sometimes it's something small that, hey, okay, we weren't expecting this, but we'll maneuver around it and it'll still be okay. And other times it's so devastating that you don't know how you are going to move forward in life, how life could ever feel normal again. You see, life can become a whirlwind when the future seems uncertain. Joseph understood that. He understood that. Isn't it amazing that even the story of the Messiah is filled with uncertainty, fear, pain? I think God was doing this on purpose to let us know, listen, life is going to be uncertain at times. Your future isn't just what you make it. Life is going to happen, but you're not alone. Emmanuel is here, God with us. You don't have to do anything alone. And even though you're going to walk through painful life circumstances, and even though this life is going to throw you a curveball from time to time, and even though your path is going to get off track, maybe because you made some poor decisions even, God is with us. You're not alone. And that's the theme that I see with Joseph's life. He's not alone. Emmanuel was with him the entire time. But then think about it. Joseph and his pregnant wife, nine-month pregnant wife, have to make a journey to Bethlehem together. Nine months. Ladies, if you've been pregnant, at nine months, you're going to get on a donkey in the heat, head out to Bethlehem on a long drive? No, it's probably not. I bet Joseph was freaking out. This is what I'm telling you. We got to think about the reality of this, not just read one sentence of the story, but think about the pressure that was on Joseph. Not only is he a first-time husband, first-time father, the Messiah is there. The Son of God, he's responsible for. He gets to Bethlehem and there's nowhere to stay. Can you imagine what he's thinking? Uh, This ain't good. I bet he was knocking on every single door, frantic. I bet he was going up to strangers saying, please, I'll pay double for your room. I have a pregnant wife. I bet he did everything in his power to get a room that night. He may even gotten a few physical alterations over it. I don't know, that's just me thinking how I properly would have been in the situation. But like he's freaked out. And he ends up in a barn. You ever been in a barn? It smells There's animals in there. We had a a horse farm or animal farm right here for the longest time. You walk out these doors, you could smell it. When there's pigs around, it smells. That's where the Messiah was born. That's the best Joseph could do as a husband. Think about that. Think about the pressure that was on him. The baby's born... And then think about the baby being born. Is this gonna be a normal baby? Is he gonna be glowing? (laughs) Is he gonna talk right away and tell us what to do? That'd be kind of weird. Is he just gonna be like every other baby? Is he gonna sleep through the night? Is he not gonna sleep through the night? Is he gonna cry more or cry less? What does his cry mean? I mean, he's the Messiah. What do we do? I mean, think about that. Did he say his first words like every other kid? Or did he say something earlier? Did he walk? Did he levitate? I mean, what? <laughs> I could just imagine Joseph and Mary. They wanted to prove so badly that he was the Messiah, right? Because their entire life was covered in shame. Because she got pregnant before they were married. And back then, that was like a no-no. And so everyone, there were naysayers everywhere. Everybody thought that, I mean, most people did not believe their story of Jesus being the Messiah. So there were already a lot of shame and guilt around them. And I can just imagine like every time Jesus did something that maybe was a little bit different than other kids, like maybe, you know, he levitated or something while he slapped. We got to get a pit. We got to capture this. We got to convince people like he's different. They wanted so bad to show the world that this is the son of God. Yet they didn't get those signs. The world didn't know. And we know this because when Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old, people were like, isn't this just the guy from Nazareth, the son of a carpenter? They didn't buy the whole story of Jesus' life. And there was a lot of pressure on Joseph and Mary, and a lot of, man, I I just want to prove so bad that we're good, righteous people, and that this is the son of God. There's a lot of sacrifice there for Joseph and Mary. But when Jesus was born, I mean, what do, you think, what do you think Joseph thought? Was he elated? Was he disappointed? What was going on with him? I think it would have been a very tough place to be if you were Joseph. But if there's anything we can learn from Joseph it's this. It's God didn't promise him a life free of pain and uncertainty. He didn't say in a dream you're going to have the son of God, you're going to be famous, you're going to be rich, I'm going to take care of everything. He didn't get that promise. In fact, I bet there were times throughout Jesus' upbringing where Joseph doubted his dream was correct. Like, did an angel really appear to me in a dream? Or did I just have some bad tabouli the night before? You know what I mean? Like, this kid is just like every other kid. Did we miss this? Am I the biggest idiot on the planet because I bought this story? I mean, think about everything entailed for years and years and years of raising Jesus. Some of you know what that's like to go years and years and years with uncertainty, with pain, with not knowing what the future holds. Some of you know exactly what's that, what that's like, but, but God, you promised, you said you would do this. Did I hear you wrong? Doesn't your word say this? I've been standing on a promise in your word for years and years and years. Doesn't it say this? You know, that's the thing about our journey as Christians. Especially us that really want to do the will of God in our lives. People that read God's word, that pray, that want to be led by his spirit, that want to make an impact for the kingdom of heaven on this earth. It is a journey. It's a journey that takes a lifetime to make sense of. Sometimes we're trying to make sense of things and we're in the middle of it not at the end of it. And we're trying to figure it out. But it's not until you get further and further and further and further along in the journey that God begins to reveal his promises to you, his plan to you. Some of you, you're right there. You're in the middle. And you're wondering what the future holds. What does it look like? What am I supposed to do Keep doing what you're doing, and God's going to begin to reveal himself to you and reveal his plan and reveal his purpose. That's how it works. You see, Joseph was just like any of us. And the thing about Joseph is we don't hear about him When Christ starts his ministry all the way to the death of Christ and the resurrection, I don't know if he got to see the promise of Jesus doing miracles and preaching in synagogues and doing the work of God. I don't know how much of that he got to experience. But what I know of Joseph was this. And I love this about Joseph. He was gritty, He was a man of integrity. And that didn't waver because his life didn't go the way he thought. Like sometimes we can do that. Like I have character and I have integrity until something crazy happens in my life. Now I'm turning to artificial things to fill the void in my life. Joseph didn't do that. He was gritty in the face of adversity. He moved forward in life even when he faced devastating unforeseen circumstances. He continued to trust God even when his life was spinning out of control. And he sacrificed his dream for the kingdom of God and for his family. It's honorable. And here's the best part. Joseph still lived a great life despite it looking different. I think this is one thing that we think if we, if we really sell out to the kingdom of God, that God might ask us to do something crazy, like birthing the Messiah, like something crazy. And then our life is going to be completely thrown. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Life is going to be good if your mindset is good. If you can wrap your mind around how out of control we really are in life, but how we have a God, Emmanuel, who promises to never leave us or forsake us, who promises to lead us and guide us by his Holy Spirit, who put his Spirit in us, who gave us eternity. If we can wrap our minds around that, life can be good. The future is always bright. Yes, it's going to be hard for seasons of time. Yes, we're going to experience pain and grief but I believe Joseph said, you know what? If this is our assignment, we're going to do it, and we're going to have the best family ever in this season. We're going to move forward with this new plan. People might judge us. They might criticize us. They might shame us. They might cut us off. They might say, crazy things about us. But you know what? We're not in it to please people. We're in it to please God. And we're going to move forward with his plan for our life. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So maybe you're here today and your life looks different than you thought it would at this point. Little is completely different than when you were a kid and you were dreaming about what your life would be. Man, none of those things happened. And it looks different. I want to tell you, I want to give you some hope. You're not alone. God is with you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. And he's got good things in store for your future, just like he did with Joseph. Let's bow our heads for prayer. worship team, you can make your way out. Father, I thank you so much for this story. What an incredible life-changing story that's been told for thousands of years that has saved so many people, that has offered so much hope and peace to a world that desperately needs it. Lord, I thank you for Joseph and for his calling and what you called him to do. And I just pray for everyone in this room that's going through something hard or uncertain right now. I just pray that this word would give them some hope, that they're not alone, that you're with them, that you've got a plan, that your promises are good. And their life is good moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a closing song. And what I want to do this morning is I want you just to stand up with me. I want you to sing this song. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. And just know that God is with us and that we can be excited about a good future in front of us.